Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Well, good morning, Every Nation Rosebank, those who I have the privilege of seeing in person, those online. I certainly am blessed to be with you this morning. I bring home Cape Town greetings. Uh, from my beautiful family as well, and I truly honor God for their lives. I bless God because I know that what I'm able to do now, I'm not able to do without their encouragement and their support. I always jokingly say this, but it is the truth as well. Um, I love just my children's encouragement, my wife's encouragement. She prays for me, she prays for us. Uh, Sometimes in hours of the day that I'm not familiar with, I say, I only know one, three o'clock, and that's in the afternoon. Uh, Sometimes my wife will be praying for us. Next morning, you may wake up if you manage to wake up during the night or not. Next day, you may wake up with some um, olive oil marks on your face or forehead or your feet and so on. And she was busy praying and interceding for us during the evening. So I truly bless God for their lives. And um, I really am honored to be able to even share this day with you. Um, Pastors Simon and Lindy, thank you so much for your leadership, for the invitation. Pastor Greg, thank you everybody with the arrangements, all the other pastors here. Um, Thank you so much. I truly am blessed to be here with you this morning. Just before we get into this morning's message, I just in our time of worship, I'm not sure if you were, but my goodness, I was blessed with the worship. Amen. Can we give the worship team a hand again this morning? Praise God. After the first service, I asked Pastor Simon, do they, you know, do you sort of hand in a mixtape with your membership form here or something like this? It's just everybody is just able to worship the Lord in such a wonderful and a profound way. As we start off this morning's sermon series and you'll see Living Like Heaven is Here, I was so moved and so gripped by this particular quote by A.W. Tozer. And he said the following, and I said, God, you know what, this is almost an indictment upon the church, but help us to reverse this, Lord. He said the following powerful statement. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit has been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. I'm praying this morning and I know that years of people here who are ready to bring about that change, ready to bring about that difference in this nation and even the nations out there. Beloved, I want to say to you, even as we address this title, Living Like Heaven Is Here, it is possible that we experience from God something that this world cannot give you and me. I'm excited because I know that from this place will arise a people who will go in and bring change to every sector and sphere of society. I'm praying that we will arise and even as we leave here, that tomorrow morning or even this afternoon as we go and even as we grace our homes, as we grace the boardrooms tomorrow or all of our places of work, I'm praying that when people see you, I'm praying that they would see that there's something different about these people and that that which once seemed impossible will become possible because there's something inside of you that they desperately long for and that they desperately want. 
it's possible to live like heaven is here. And so as we build this series, let us just open in prayer as we ask for God's blessing upon the remainder of our time together. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you this morning that you are here. Thank you that you've met with us in such a personal and intimate manner already through our time of worship, through every announcement, through every message, Lord. It is now my prayer that even as we hear from your word, that you would speak and minister to every heart. I thank you not only, Lord God, for just tantalizing the ears, but I pray for transformation of hearts and spirits here this morning. And as always, we know that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish everything you set it out to do. So prosper your word, I pray, and we give you the honor for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beloved, imagine just for a moment, imagine that you were with Jesus during his three years while he was ministering on the earth. I mean, can you imagine that what we read about over here when the word says that, I mean, this is probably not even the entire ministry of Jesus, but just from that which we read, can you imagine how amazing that must have been? You're seeing the miracles, you're seeing the healings, you just, I mean, you're just in absolute awe of the wisdom of Jesus' teachings. Now imagine that that which you and I are always praying for, and sometimes we only see as the exception, imagine if that is the norm. Imagine if this is everyday life for you. You're just seeing, I mean, just coming and even funeral services being disrupted because, you know what, Jesus is just raising people from the dead. Can you imagine how that must have been? And so imagine being with Jesus because that's what the disciples had. And then he comes one day and he says to them that it's now time for him to leave. I mean, I'm looking at the scene and I'm saying, Jesus, let me just remind you of what we have right now. We've got something great going on over here. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we have never seen anything like this before. Why would we want to change this right now? And Jesus says that it's expedient for him to go. It's better that he was to go. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, Jesus, not after I've given up everything to follow you. Why would you want to do something like that? And in fact, Jesus then goes on to say to them in John chapter 14, he says to them that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the word life there is Zoe life, life in, a fun, in fullness, life in abundance. It's not just getting by, beloved. This is not just about, you know what, I'll see how, how it goes and whatever must be, must be. No, this is speaking about a life where you're thriving, a life full of zest and vitality. That is the life that Jesus wants you and me to have. And you know what, he wants others to have it as well, but maybe right now they cannot see that. And that's why he's raising up you and me so that others will be able to see that. I want to break this message up into three main points. Firstly, I want to speak to you about relationship. Secondly, I want to speak to you about residence. And then thirdly, revival and reformation. First point then, relationship. When Jesus came to earth, we know that he died, he was resurrected from the dead. But he did all of that in order that your and my relationship with God would be restored. Not only was it for the restoration between man and God, it was also for the restoration of man amongst themselves. And so when we look at this, I'm saying that Jesus did what he did 
so that you and I could live like heaven is here. But we'll never be able to do that outside of relationship. Isn't it amazing that through this relationship and all that Jesus had done, He had not only given us access to the Father, but He's given us access to His presence. But it's more than that. It's not only that we have access to His presence, we are to be carriers of the presence of God. I was sharing the accounts that, you know, um, one day, Reinhard Bunker, he told the account a number of years ago, he went into a second-hand store. And this was in the days when, you know, you were still able to smoke in public places. And so the assistant in the store, he, he was busy smoking. And as Reinhardt came closer to him, the man looked at him, cigarette fell out of his mouth, he went down on his knees and he repented. He said, I need Jesus, I need to be saved. Reinhard Bunker, of course, was very surprised at what was happening. Um, so he prayed for the man, led him to the Lord, and afterwards he asked him the question, he said to him, what was it? Why did you do what you did? The man looked at him and he said, sir, when I looked in your eyes, I saw Jesus. Reinhard Bunker went home. He prayed to the Lord. He said, God, what, was, what is that all about? What just happened there? God said, well, I'm inside of you and I can come out whenever I want to. So that's exactly what happened, right? He carried the presence of God. I am praying that there will be a marked difference when people come into contact with you. Here's my prayer. I'm praying that when they come into your presence, may it be as if they're standing in the presence of Jesus himself. That's what God had called us to. That is what it means to live like heaven is here. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 14. I'm going to start in verses 8 to 11, and then we'll read 16 and 17 a bit later and end off with verse 12. But John chapter 14 from verse 8. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And we read from verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. We find in these verses, Philip seems to be asking for some sort of appearance by God. And if only we can see God. Jesus' response is one where Jesus claims deity in that he's saying that if you've, seen the, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. What Jesus was basically telling him was that the Father and I are one. There's a relationship between myself and the Father. And yes, the amazing thing about this, what Jesus was highlighting was the relation, not the manifestation. Philip was seeking a manifestation and Jesus was basically saying to him, if you have the relation, the manifestation will follow. So much of what we find today is many people wanting the manifestation without the relation. 
It's not going to work, beloved. And that's why we find that even many things that happen these days, we find it void of lasting power because it's not centered and anchored in God Himself. It's only in and through relationship that this is going to happen. Jesus said in John 5 verse 19, the Bible says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. I love this verse. Jesus is basically saying that all that I can do is what I saw my Father doing. All that I want to say is what I hear my Father saying. And this is my prayer as well. I'm praying that you and I will follow in the example of Jesus. I'm praying that irrespective of what the circumstance or situation may be, when you and I find ourselves in a place, my prayer is always, God, what is it that you are wanting to do? Please show me, Lord, what it is that I need to do. I want to say, and I know many of us have experienced this as well, sometimes you find yourself in a circumstance that is so dire and you know that nothing is able to happen here. I mean, sometimes you're busy praying for someone who's laying on a deathbed. And it's hard at that times, beloved. It's difficult not to be moved by what you see. But you see, when you are connected with God through relationship and He says to you that it's not the time for this person to go, even though it doesn't make sense to me, based on my relationship with Him, I will do as He says because I know that His word has credibility. I was praying for a gentleman many years ago and he didn't have long to live. His family also, you know what, it was difficult, it was hard for them to get to an understanding that this man was to be no more. Doctors didn't give him a long time to live. And as I was walking to his place, I was walking and I was praying this. I said, Lord, I want to be moved by faith. I don't want to be moved by what I see. I'll be honest with you and say to you, when I walked in, I was moved by what I saw. For it was way worse than what I had comprehended. But you see, I remember what the Holy Spirit said to me. The Holy Spirit reminded me and He said to me, did you not just say a few minutes ago that you're not going to be moved by sight? Now, at that time, as I was praying, I knew that God was about to do a work, not because of myself, but purely based on the relationship with Him. Long story short, God healed that man miraculously. Um, there was another man, gentleman as well, same thing happened. God healed them miraculously. But I can tell you this morning, it was not out of my own accord. Because sometimes when you're standing there and you see that there seems to be no hope, but when Jesus says, lay hands on them. And so even when I lay hands, this is always my prayer. I say, Lord, when I lay hands, I pray that you'd lay your hands on them first and I'll just put mine on yours. And I pray that you do the manifestation. That is out of relationship. You and I will never be able to live like heaven is here outside of relationship with God and outside of relationship with one another. Do you realize that the highest expression of your call can only be lived out through relationship? It's not going to happen without. Relationship with God first and then also relationship with one another. You and I are only able to succeed based on how we 
uh, uh, how we allow God to flow through us, but also how we work with one another. And that's why I love the spiritual family. Just so many gifts, just so many talents and callings and abilities. And I know that outside of that, I will not be able to function. Let me use an example. And uh, I was so glad for the setup team. They were toting the spirit, even though I didn't plan it that way. We see these lights. This one is lit up. That one is not. And when I look at that, I think that this is very often even many believers' lives. So the purpose of this is not only to look nice. The purpose of this is for light to be shining. Now, unless the light shines then this is not operating to the full extent to which it was made for. And so it is with many believers as well. Now, you may say to me, but you know what, this is wonderful, but here's the reality. Even though these lights are in the sanctuary, even though they are in the church, unless it's lit, it has no function whatsoever. There's many believers, they know the lingo, they know how to dance, they know how to shout, they know how to do many things, but unless they're lighting up this world without God had called them to, then they're not living to the full extent to which God had called them to. Beloved, it's not only for you and me, it's for a lost and a dying world out there. And so, yes, we need to live like heaven is here and we're only going to do it through relationship and that's why I am praying that God will use us all uniquely and powerfully you know two years ago uh, it was during lockdown and I'm sure like many others we were experimenting we were baking we had a wonderful time just man um, and so directly after that I needed to go on a weight loss journey um, and but but yeah we, we enjoyed that season but during that time, our stove was no longer working. Lights were on, uh, but there was just no heat coming through. And so in my uneducated um, electrical knowledge and brain, I concluded that it was the element that was faulty. So um, when I called the technician, I said to him, I believe the element is, is, is finished, so please come ready with an element to replace that so that you don't have to go back and come again with an element because I know this is the element. He eventually came and um, so on his arrival, I said the same thing to him. I said, I believe it's the element. He said, well, let's just open up and have a look. I'm thinking, man, I just told this guy it's the element. <laughs> he opened it up. Um, he was scratching around. There were some wires over there. He connected some of his machinery. And two minutes later, the stove was working. It was heating up. Now, while I was very excited and elated, at the same time, I was confused. I said to him, I mean, he didn't change the element, what, what was happening? Um, the other part was that I was also sad that, I mean, 500 rand later for, you know, just sort of two minutes of work, and, and so what was that all about? And then he said the following to me. He said there was not a problem with the element. He said it was a connection problem. There was a problem between some of the wires that was bringing the power, bringing it to the element, and that's why there was no heat. Many of us are exactly the same. We've got all the necessary parts, but because we don't have the connection, there's no power coming through, and there's no heat in whatever it is God has called you and me to do. And so as I look at that, I'm saying, God, when... I know that when you created us, we had all the necessary parts, everything that you need, God has already given you. 
but it's only going to be through relationship that we're going to be able to fulfill what He's called us to fulfill. I'm praying that we're going to live like heaven is here every day, but we're going to do it out of relationship. Point number two, residence. Every growth of spiritual life, Charles Spurgeon said, from the first tender shoot until now has been the work of the Holy Spirit. The only way to, to more life is the Holy Spirit. You will not even know that you want more unless He works in you to desire it. The Spirit of God must come and make the letter alive, transfer to your heart, set it on fire, and make it burn within you, or else its divine force and majesty will be hid from your eyes. We cannot do without prayer, and we cannot pray unless, with, uh, sorry, and we cannot pray, pray without the Holy Spirit. Beloved, the Holy Spirit needs to have residence in our lives. If we are going to live like heaven is here, then it's only going to happen through the Holy Spirit. And so back to John 14 and verses 16 and 17, we read the following. Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, and now here's the key part, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I'm sure we all know that there's a marked difference between being with somebody and in something. And this is what Jesus was saying to them, that yes, He dwells with you, but He's also going to be in you. Now, I remind you again that the backdrop to this was Jesus coming and saying that He's going to go to His Father. The disciples are concerned, and Jesus says to them that they should not fear. I'm thinking it's easy for you to say, Jesus, you're leaving us behind over here. But he says the following. He said that I will send you another helper. Now, another helper are two key words. The word another there is the um, Greek word alos. And alos means another of the same kind. It is in opposition to heteros. Heteros means something completely different. So what Jesus was saying to them is that I'm not going to give you some inferior version of myself or some cheap substitute. I'm going to give you another like myself. That is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit then comes and the Bible calls him also the helper. The word parakletos, as we're well familiar with, it means call to one side. It also means one who pleads another case, another's case. But this is the part that I really love. The term suggests both capability as well as adaptability. Now, I've got some friends, and I bless God for their lives, but I know that for some of them, they are experts in a certain area, in a certain field. And so when it comes to finance, I'll speak to one. When it comes to marriage, I may speak to another one. comes to ministry, I speak to somebody else. Because even though they may have an understanding of the different areas, not any one of them are experts in all of the areas. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, 
The Bible says that it's not just that he has the capability to do something, he's got the adaptability as well. So there's no circumstance that you face, there's no situation that you will encounter that will catch the Holy Spirit by surprise and somehow that he's not going to be able to deal with it. So he can identify with it and he can bring change at the same time as well. That is this Holy Spirit. And you see, you and I can have a relationship with him, you and I must however allow him to have residence inside of our lives. Pastor Jim LeFoon says that, you know, as Christians, presence, speaking about God's presence, is mandatory. You can't do without it. Proximity is a choice. You will always have a choice in terms of how close you want to move with God, how close you want to operate with the Holy Spirit, or how far you want to be from him. But the one thing I can certainly say to you, that unless we allow the Holy Spirit permanent residence, it's not going to happen. You and I have a choice this morning when it comes to this precious third person of the Trinity. Either we give him permanent residence or we're going to be satisfied with only temporary occupancy. I'm praying that it will be permanent residence because that will be the only way in which we're going to live like heaven is here. Point number three then. Revival and Reformation. Verse 12 of John 14 says the following. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And so I'm reading this and I'm as startled as what I can imagine the disciples must have been. Remember, they witnessed. This was not just some accounts that they heard of. They were witnessing. They were part of what Jesus was doing. Now, Jesus says to them that the works that I do, you're going to do. And then he goes on to say even greater works. I'm thinking, God, I can't even do the current works, never mind the greater works that you're speaking about. But this is what Jesus was speaking about. You see, John the writer, when he writes about works he almost sort of differentiates this from signs. Signs were miracles which Jesus performed, and these were particularly for unbelievers. When it came to works, works encompassed everything. It was the miracles, but it was also the teachings of Jesus. It was everything. It was his whole ministry locked in together. And so when Jesus calls you and I to live like heaven is here, he's doing so on the basis that we will not only be, you know, enamored by just the miracles out there, but that we will go about sharing the full message of his, of his gospel and of his kingdom. And that's what he's calling us to. So the greater works that he speaks of is not only greater works in terms of dimension. The greater works he's speaking about is greater in terms of its worldwide reach or scope. Jesus only operated in a certain geographical area for all of his life. But now when the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit folds you and he folds me and he folds everybody else, everywhere where we go, we can pray and we can ask God that it would be like heaven is on earth because that same Spirit enables us to do greater works. Yes, it will be the works of Jesus, but it's greater because its influence is far more reaching than what what the time was when Jesus was here on the earth. And so, yes, he calls you and me. 
He calls us to bring change to our cultures and to our environments. I believe that He's calling us for works of revival and reformation. You see, when Jesus comes in Matthew 9 and uh, 6, verse 9 and 10 and says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm saying, God, I'm praying that I want to be part of those people. I don't just want to read about revivals anymore. I don't just want to read about reformation anymore. I'm praying, God, that I will play a central part in all of that along with you. Because even as we lock arms together and we say, let's do this for God's kingdom, I believe that change will come. I believe that revival will come. And this is what I'm contending for, that it will Will not only be a temporary work, I'm praying that God will usher in some form of permanence because of the fact that it's His will and it's His kingdom. Do you know, one of the great things about the Welsh revival, there were many things that happened, and the man who God used at the time was a young man by the name of Evan Roberts, and the one challenge that they had was that the revival only lasted for about three years. But there were some extraordinary things that were taking place during that revival. I mean, jails were emptying out, um, hospitals were emptying out, and one of the problems they had was on the mines. And the problem that they had on the mines was that when the revival was taking place, all of a sudden the donkeys that were there to transport, you know, just some of the things which were being mined, those donkeys now no longer were wanting to work. They were not following instructions. And so as they were finding out what was happening, they got experts in to find out, um, you know, what's happening with the donkeys. And then later on, the, the experts asked them, but what normally happens? What do you tell them? How does this happen? And what came out was that because before the revival took place, these people giving the instructions would often swear at the donkeys and the donkeys would respond. Now they got saved and their vocabulary changed so the donkeys did not understand the instruction any longer and that's why they didn't work. So when I look at that, I'm saying that culture changed because of the revival. Things changed because of the revival. One of the problems, however, why the revival did not continue was because it was centered around one man and it wasn't that he wanted the attention himself. In fact, he often withdrew, not wanting the attention upon himself. But you see, beloved, it's going to happen through discipleship. When you and I are discipling the next generation, when you and I are locking arms and saying, but God, we're contending not only for now, but even for 100 years from now. When we do that, then it's going to be revival we're going to see reformation in our nation and the nations of the world. And it's not just going to be for a moment. It will not just be for a season. It's going to be something which will last. Amen. I'm praying to God that you and I will see some of the greatest works on earth in our lifetime. I'm praying that we will never be satisfied and say, you know what, um, God, I'm just trusting you for one day in the sweet by and by when I go to be with you. I am praying that while you and I are here, 
that we would not be satisfied until we see God's kingdom manifesting in every area of where we go in. I'm praying that you'd have the boldness that when you step into your place of work tomorrow, you would say that this place is going to change because I'm a carrier of the presence of Jesus. I'm praying that even as you smile, that people would be able to see Christ inside of you. I'm praying that when we see the sick people out there, that we will not be shocked and horrified at their condition, but say, God, if you give the word and the instruction, I will pray, I will lay hands, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to raise them up from that sick bed. I'm praying that even as we go and your company may say to you that we're closing down or we're about to retrench uh, many people, I'm praying that you will stand up as the voice of truth and the voice of hope in the place because you will stand up and say that this is not our source, God himself is our source. I'm praying that in the same way that God used men and women in the days gone by, that you and I will rise up and say that I want to be that man, just like D.L. Moody stood up one day when somebody said God needs one man just to change the world around, and he said that I will be that man. I'm praying that this morning you will leave this place saying that I will be that man. I will be that woman. Even if I'm the only one, even if I'm going against the grain, even if it's an unlikely thing, even if it's unpopular, but I know who God is and I know that Christ inside of me can bring the change and so I'm calling forth heaven to be on this earth right now. I want to end off with this illustration this morning. I love popcorn. My family does as well. And as much as what I love buying it in, in the packets, I really love making it myself. And so last year in April, Reader's Digest came out with an article and they were explaining how French researchers went and they discovered the whole process of making popcorn. And what happens is that in the kernel itself, and I wasn't aware of this, but there's some moisture in there. It's almost like a drop of water inside of that hardened kernel. And there's starch all around it. So as that kernel heats up, and when it gets toward 100 degrees Celsius, that moisture which is inside now starts heating up. In the same way that, uh, you know, a kettle starts boiling, in the same way something is happening. And so there's now this doughy mass that gets created inside. Until, that's at 100 degrees, when it gets to 180 degrees Celsius, all of a sudden, that which was so hard on the outside, that kernel, no longer can withhold what is happening on the inside of that kernel. And so it breaks and it pops. And so within the next one-fifteenth of a second, we find that this thing gets popped in the air, it opens up, and even as it opens up, it's now twice the size of what it was before. As I look at this particular instance, I'm saying, God, that this is your and my life as well. Yes, what we're seeing right now doesn't seem like heaven is on earth. But I'm saying to you this morning, if you and I will arise to the call of God on our lives, then we will realize that what happens on the inside can remodel what happens on the outside. You see, just like that popcorn, the starch was there all along. The moisture was there from the very beginning. All that it needed was heat. Sometimes 
times we're moaning and complaining about what's happening out there, but I believe God is saying to you that you're not realizing something, church. You're not seeing what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is that the heat that you're experiencing from the outside is busy releasing something which is inside of you because if the Holy Spirit resides inside of you, then guess what happens when the outside influence comes, when the negativity comes, whatever's inside is going to start bursting forth and it's going to bring change. So even the hardened things of this world, even the things that seems impossible right now, once the pressure builds up so much inside, that which is on the outside must give way because what is inside of you is far bigger than what's outside of you. And that's why I want to say to you this morning... That even as the Holy Spirit rests and resides inside of you, I'm saying, God, release whatever's inside of me. I'm praying this morning that even as we pray right now, that from this place will be released, the people will go. Release the people who will say, God, I'm contending. Yes, I've been praying before. Yes, I've been fasting before. And sometimes I wanted to give up. No, I'm going to pray even more. When I see things are not right, I'm praying that you will have this perspective and understanding this morning family that all that's happening is the heat is busy turning up yes something is happening something is happening in the spirit right now and so I'm praying for you every nation Rosebank I'm praying that God will release you to be change agents wherever you may go if you believe that won't you stand to your feet this morning father we hear this morning Lord and we're asking that you would do a work in our lives. But Father, over and above the work in our lives, we pray that you do a work through our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that we know that you have come to die. Thank you that you've given us another helper, another like yourself. And so thank you, precious Spirit of God. I pray that you'd use us as change agents. Help us always to remember, Lord, that it all starts with relationship. Relationship with you and relationship with those who you've placed along our side. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that we'd give you permanent residence. And I'm praying, God, that you'd use us as your agents of change to bring forth works of revival and reformation. Just where you are, won't you raise your hands to God this morning? And I want you just to pray the following. Say, Lord, do it in me. Say, Lord, do it through me in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person standing here this morning, even those watching online. I'm praying that, they would, that you would help them to see that no circumstance is so dire that change is not possible. I'm praying this morning that even as we go, Lord, that we will know that we can live like heaven is here. Here we are, God. Bring the change to your honor, to your praise, and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.